Hello and welcome to the Legal 500 podcast. I'm Barnaby Merrill and today I am joined by two lawyers from TLT. I'm joined by Esther Smith, an employment partner at TLT, and Maria Connolly, the head of the real estate team. We are today discussing ESG and all the fun things in association with that. But first things first, Esther, Maria, thanks very much for joining me. Very welcome. Nice Thank to you. Great. So we'll kick off um, with a broad question, I suppose. Um, ESG is one of the hottest topics in law and business at the moment, I think it's fair to say. But there have been some conflicting views on how current some of these issues are, um, especially surrounding the sort of governance and reporting parts. What would you say are some of the key newer issues that clients are asking you to cover in this field? Well, you're absolutely right. ESG is a hot topic at the moment, but it's been a focus for TLT and probably many other organisations for, for quite a long time. If we go back 25 years, we were advising on some of the first clean energy projects in the sector. And I think clean energy remains pretty key to the ESG agenda. And, and some of this was looking at some of the first of a kind clean energy projects in the sector, ranging from onshore wind through to solar and now some of the emerging technologies that uh, have matured somewhat, such as battery storage and electric vehicle charging infrastructures. So it's it's exciting that we are now embracing ESG. And as we'll come on to, there's still much more to do. But actually, it's got its roots going back probably some decades now. In terms of what we are seeing at the minute, there's a greater focus in relation to what I would call climate aligned green clauses. And again, this is just getting all businesses to think about how the green agenda can be uh, can feature in some of their legal documents. And just to give you a bit of an example here, we were recently asked by uh, one of our clients, Nationwide Building Society, to deliver a comprehensive introduction to climate change and drafting for net zero to be used by their um, in-house legal team and the wider business. And the sorts of things that businesses might want to be thinking about in relation to that legal drafting around procurement, decarbonisation of, of, of the supply chain, which we know is just going to be really key going forward, circular economy, embedding sustainability into their wider contracts, and of course, absolutely, the regulatory and reporting landscape. Maria, it's probably a good point for me to just chip in on the employment side as well, um, from uh, an ESG perspective. And I think there's probably two sort of key areas to just think about from the employment side of things. I mean, one is obviously the sustainability of our workplaces or how we work with our current workforce. But there's also, I think, a broader point about the sustainable industries that we're advising in and and their workforce challenges. Obviously, the, the global drive for clean energy has never been greater, and that is obviously creating a bit of a demand for talent uh, and particular skills that work within that uh, industry and that sector. We have the added complexity of Brexit and the implications that has for global workforces. Um, So, you know, we're doing a lot of work with our clients in the sustainable uh, sector on immigration issues at the moment to make sure that they are suitably well resourced and and have access to the talent that they need. And of course, COVID has had a massive impact, not just on the availability of talent. And inevitably, I think COVID has taken some of the talents out of the talent pool for various reasons. 
but also because it's changed people's demands and expectations in terms of how they work and where they work and indeed when they work. Um, and obviously that has an impact on how employers respond to the talent pool that they have available to them. So businesses need to think about, as I say, things like immigration, where they're resourcing talent, how they're resourcing talent, and also about how they're engaging with contractors. Um, I think it's worth just mentioning well-being at this point. Um, obviously, through the pandemic, well-being has been a very high agenda for all businesses in all areas. I think there's a real risk that it loses the emphasis as we become uh, aligned or, or, or comfortable with the new agile ways of working post-pandemic. And we need to just make sure, I think, as employers in all sectors, that well-being does not slip down the agenda. In terms of EDI and W, which is shorthand, obviously, for equality, diversity, inclusion and well-being, we're increasingly working with clients in a very collaborative way on EDI and W issues, um, looking at sharing best practice, collaborating with them on initiatives, sharing data, uh, reporting, um, either individually or with other panel firms on our statistics, how we're doing against commitments we've made in documentation and, and panel submissions for clients, um, but really working with our clients to really explore that best practice piece and see how collectively we can, as businesses, do the best on the EDI uh, agenda. Um, Maria, one thing that I was uh, conscious that we should touch on is the green finance piece. Indeed. Um... No doubt that green finance is absolutely gaining speed. And I think that's driven by, of course, the global climate change pressures that we're seeing and just recognising the absolutely vital role that sustainability does play in a resilient financial services sector. So what we've got is green loans, mortgages to corporate investments and pensions. And we've got no doubt that the growth of that market is going to radically transform the future of financial services. And when you think that the financial services sector, like many others, are under huge pressure in relation to demonstrating true ESG traction and credentials, it goes hand in hand. So I think that's definitely one to watch in relation to the growth of that. Um, but clients are innovating all the time. And I think this is the really exciting thing of ESG, upskilling their teams. We know that the talent pool that Esther referred to really, really want to ensure that the businesses, the employers that they are working for are demonstrating ESG in its widest sense. So plenty of legal issues, I think, Barnaby, to, to tackle with. But as we've always said, the time is now. We, we, we need to be doing this and we need businesses to be equipped to be able to, I suppose, tackle some of the challenges ahead. Some great reflections, I think, there on sort of particularly what clients are facing um, and as a result, what you're, you're advising them on. I suppose a, a related secondary question would be, um, what do you consider your key role as legal advisors to be um, in terms of sort of leadership on ESG and all these issues that we've we've really just touched upon? Sure. I think collaboration is absolutely key to the ESG sector. Mm -hmm. Nobody has all of the answers. But what we can do collectively, uh, working alongside GCs, boards, 
and other businesses is share that best practice and collaborate to accelerate the agenda. We need to be taking action around all of this. And, you know, there is a lot of benefit if we can continue to make sure it is on the right desks and is on the right uh, discussion tables. I think general counsel have a huge role to play, often being that interface between the board, the business, and indeed legal advisors who uh, they are working with. But I think while the legal profession is taking some steps in the right direction, there's a greater role that we can all play in relation to this. So I think for us, it's about being trusted business advisors. Um, That's absolutely key. Making sure that we are at the forefront of taking climate action and demonstrating those sustainability credentials and values and absolutely taking responsibility and being accountable for ESG in its in its broadest sense. So lots of businesses now embarking on that net zero journey. We we, we, we are at the point where you know we understand what our carbon footprint is, um, but the, it's then about how you decarbonize and how you sort of set your targets to be carbon neutral and ultimately net zero. I think I'd, I'd echo all of those comments um, that Maria's just made, Barnaby. And I think one expression that I like to use when talking both to clients and internally at TLT is that we are now all ESG lawyers. Um, you know, there is a, a role for us um, in internally at TLT uh, because these issues are central to our strategy and how we run our business. Um, so we are leaders in our own right to making sure that ESG is front and central of, of everything we do at TLT. But to address your point as, as to our role as legal advisors, given our contacts with strategic business uh, people uh, across all sectors, you know, we really need to know and understand our clients' ESG objectives. We need to know what they are trying to achieve within their business. And the reason we need to know that and understand that is because we are making decisions and offering advice every day to those clients. And we need to do that in the context of understanding both their climate change challenges and objectives and targets, and also their social implications and uh, workforce issues. So we can't be proper trusted advisors in the true sense that we aim to be unless we know and understand our clients' ESG targets and issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. Um, actually, I think to pick up on the point you made about um internal issues and, and, and the way you deal with um, face ESG issues as as a firm. I think that's a great place to pick up on. Um, I wrote an article a few months ago in a shameless plug, because I mentioned it anyway, um, for our Global Green Guide um, about the fact that law firms are big companies too, and thus increasingly facing these issues, um, particularly in an era where some firms are becoming public companies or thinking about it and face all kinds of issues such as reporting requirements. Um, but even outside of that, firms are facing pressures to have strategies and, and responses to these things. Um, so I know, for example, um, TLT, you have a um, sustainability strategy. Um, could you maybe speak a little bit about that? Yeah, it's probably one sure. for Maria rather yeah. than me, and I'll, I'll come back on the uh, the sort of more social side uh, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, sustainability strategy um, shouldn't be a choice. I think it's a must in relation to any 
business or law firm or professional practices uh, strategy. So for us, sustainability absolutely sits at the core of our decision making. So whether you're thinking about uh, procurement, whether you're thinking about your recruitment, your retention strategy, it's it's a thread of any decision making that we um, absolutely have regard to our strategy around sustainability specifically. And it's board led. And I think that's really important that it has that 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 board backing um, as part of a governance of any sort of business or organisation. But it's more than that. It's also written into our values. So, you know, we are committed to driving sustainable action, being open and inclusive. And I think there's never a better time for strategy and values to really, really align. And then we're going to hold ourselves to account. So we've set targets. Um, you know, we will be carbon neutral by 2025 and we'll reveal our own sort of net zero targets later this year. We've invested massively in our own internal team. So appointed um, a senior sustainability manager and advisor. So a team dedicated to driving forward sustainability for us. And as Esther will come on to growing a dedicated uh, EDI and W team as, as well. And then it's what we can do for our employees. So we won the first law firms to launch a uh, green car scheme as part of employee benefits and reward, promoting everything we can around other means of transport as well, whether that's bike to work or, 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 or other things. And then our TLT world approach in relation to giving flexibility and agility as to how people spend their time, where they work, and balancing all of that as part of the ESG agenda. As, you, as, as, as you'll have heard, we're working with carbon intelligence to really set some ambitious uh, science-based targets in line with the new net zero corporate standard, which is a world first, so massively exciting. And we will be one of the first law firms to have science-based targets and a net zero target verified under this new scheme. Esther, plenty to pick up on, probably in relation to the S as well, but I'll I'll leave you to speak to those things. Yeah. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be there. Uh, you, you can tell Maria and Sorry. I talk about these subjects quite a lot together. Um yeah, so so the <laughs> the, the the social side of things in terms of the people, I you know, we, we recognise and understand that there is a clear link between, between sustainability and mental health and well-being. And, you know, people are at the centre of our business. As Maria said, in relation to sustainability, our values, our core values are all about looking after our employees and doing the right thing in the EDI and W space. Um, internally at TLT, just to give you a bit of a snapshot of some of the things we have done and continue to mm-hmm. do, you know, we, we all know that there are you're never at the end of this um, process. It's a, it's an evolving uh, evolving area, and there is always more work to be done. So we're not rest, resting on our laurels in, in where we've got to. We we fully recognise that we can and will continue to make the world better for our employees. Um, 
we've got some really fantastic internal networks within TLT, um, working uh, both with the Women's Network, BAME Network, the LGBTQ Plus Network. We're doing increasing work on social mobility. Um, we also have mental health champions and are working with our employees on establishing disability and diversity, um, neurodiversity uh, network. Th these are really important uh, bodies for the staff. It's really important that we genuinely create an inclusive workplace because unless people can come to work and be themselves, they're never going to perform or produce what they need for the business and they're not going to be happy. And that's not what we're about. So creating this environment where people genuinely feel able to share their life experiences, are open to learning from each other, sharing best practice, talking about ways that they've been impacted by decisions, processes, ways business mm. operate is, is really fantastic because it means that we can all learn from that and do better. I mean, just to share one thing that I'm particularly proud of, we had our um, annual partners conference a few weeks ago and we invited uh, a number of very junior employees, um, trainees uh, and NQs to come and talk to the entire partnership about their experiences, either as um, people from a social mo uh, social mobility background, from a um, ethnic diversity background, and some of their life experience that they've, you know, uh, had as they've come through their legal careers, um, and the fact that these individuals felt comfortable to come and share their very personal life experiences with very senior members of TLT, I think is real, really testament to what we've created in terms of that inclusive workplace. Um, but as I say, Absolutely. there's an awful lot more to do and we're, we're not resting our laurels, but we're really enjoying making progress in this area. Fantastic. Um, I suppose looking within um, law a bit more widely, as well as, as what you're doing at, at your firm, um, what projects are there within um, sort of the, the wider legal space, I suppose, that you're aware of to promote issues like sustainability but of course ESG isn't just the E it's also the S and the G which I think we've also covered and you know seen to be really important there's a lot of work that can be done there um, as well but but more widely within the space are there any sort of particular projects at the moment you're aware of? There are and plenty and I think ever increasing as, as well. Um, I think it comes back to the point around collaboration and I think collaboration can be absolutely key with the right uh, partner organisations. J just to call out a few, perhaps just on the sustainability side, the Chancery Lane project. I mentioned earlier the absolute importance of getting legal drafting greener and the Chancery Lane project have done an absolutely fantastic job in pulling together a wide range of professionals. And, you know, we're playing a huge part in helping them accelerate that 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 journey and I think working with clients around the Chancery Lane project is something that you know we will see more of and we want to do more of because I think that could be quite um, quite meaningful in terms of the changes that we can deliver through that. Other organisations, Action uh, Net, Net Zero, again we've done a lot of work with Action Net Zero around electric vehicles and, and, and transport and other things that are at the core of uh, their initiatives, Legal Sustainability Alliance, Legal Renewables Initiative, looking at um, litigation, so the greener uh, litigation pledge. I think the list 
goes on in terms of those organisations, those, those projects, those initiatives. Um, and Esther, again, plenty in that wider diversity, social mobility space as well, which you just might want to call out a couple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are uh, working very closely with a lot of our uh, larger clients in promoting their um, diversity and inclusion agendas. Um, we have clients signed up to the um, GC DNI initiative. We're working very closely with them to share best practice. Um, where we have panel appointments, we are collaborating to, to a very significant level with other law firms, which is um, unusual and refreshing to see that happen. There, there, is no, um, there is no secrecy in any of this. We're all trying to achieve the same end. So it's really good to be able to you know, sh- share our workings, as it were, and actually learn from each other. So I suppose to end on a, on a slightly reflective note, um, Maria, you um, spoke at the Legal 500 Enterprise GC conference recently at the uh, Leasing and Integrity Fireside Chat session uh, that was, was really fantastic. Uh, Maria, you, you said at Enterprise GC that at the moment um, there is too much talk, not enough action um, broadly in this space. Um, how do you think we can fix that? Yeah, I absolutely stand behind that. I I think there is a risk in the sector at the minute that there is a lot of of, of talk, probably verging on uh, greenwashing, Um, but it's what happens next. Um, It's all about taking action. And how do we fix that? Well, collaboration. I've spoken about that. Meaningful collaboration with other organisations to really help accelerate the agenda. Let's understand where the challenges, where the blockages are, and really help tackle those um, collectively. I feel really, really strongly about people in in our organisations. This is where the best ideas come from. So we've got a number of internal uh, sustainability forums and the amount of passion, the amount of engagement that we get from our people is just fantastic. And we know that that goes to the heart of retention and attraction of the best talent. Mm -hmm. But levering all those great ideas from our people is absolutely absolutely fantastic. Picking up on the point I made around this needing to be a a board-led strategy, have that strategy, Have, have that fully sponsored by the board. The board don't have all of the answers, but it's really important that people know that it's got the board's backing. And again, just make sure that that goes hand in hand with, uh, with you know, what, what you live and breathe as an organisation. And then perhaps the final bit for me is that it's the fabric of who we are as a firm. It goes hand in hand with those values that I've spoken about. And, you know, perhaps being fairly, fairly bold here, if you are, if you are going to hold yourself out as living and breathing the ESG agenda, think about that in all aspects of your business. Who are you acting for? What, what, what does that translate to in relation to your, your makeup as a firm? And yes, there may be some difficult decisions that need to be made along the way. But I do think it goes to the heart of that integrity 
in relation to ESG more widely. Can I just add a comment onto that as well? Because I, I, I think the other thing I think that we, as lawyers, we're, we're not very good sometimes at taking risks because we're inherently trained to be risk averse and avoid risk for our clients. And, you know, sometimes we just need to try things. We need to not be afraid of getting things wrong. Um, it, it, in all areas of ESG, you know, a lot of this is new. A lot of it is untested. It, it is all about taking risks as long as those risks are, are known and managed. But we really need to, you know, as lawyers, try and move away from that that um, concern about getting it wrong. Um, and I see that particularly on the um, EDNI side, you know, better to try something and see if it makes a difference or make things better than to, to avoid taking the risk and not doing anything. Absolutely. Great. Nice. Some uh, nice challenging notes to end on, I think, there. Um, Esther, Maria, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the Legal 500 podcast. Thank you. Thank you.